Solar Eclipse Dreams on episode 396 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky and this podcast is for everybody who likes going in under the stars or or what what is the closest star to us, Shane? Here's a this is always that bonus question on the astronomy uh, 101 exams at the university I hear. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think some people gravitate towards Alpha Centauri. Mm-hmm. However, it's our sun uh, at the center of our solar system. So, yeah. And there's a big event for that thing coming up here on April the 8th. Yeah. I, you know, before we get into that, though, I was going to mm-hmm. say I was, I was bidding on something on by EE. I think the week before last, I mentioned I was looking at one of these Borg 60 acromats. Mm-hmm. Did you, were you successful? <laughs> Excuse me, still suffering from the cold. I was not, I was so disappointed mm. because the, uh, the Borg 60 acros, they're, they're about 20 years old now ish and they can go for pretty good pricing. And I feel like this would make sort of a great finder scope for my seven inch. Mm. I put in a bid at, uh, whatever it was like $102 Canadian. And I was outbid by uh, $1 and 31 cents. Hmm. Well, if it's any consolation, maybe their max bid was $500. <laughs> yeah. And you'll never know. There's another one. There's another one up right now due in mm-hmm. two days. And so the problem is it's, it's like they come due at like 5 a.m. in the morning here. And do I really want to set my alarm and get up in the, in the past when I've won bids, I just happen to have been awake at that hour and gone down and checked and then, and then outbid by that dollar and 31 cents myself. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens on uh, Tuesday morning. I'll put another bid in. This one comes with a whole variety of stuff, and I'm not sure what that uh, what that's going to entail. And and you can enter a like a proxy bid so that it will incrementally go up to your maximum if you're not uh, if you're still in bed sleeping away. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm still I'm not that good at using the buy ee. I find, yeah. It's, it can be a little bit of a challenge, so I'm not as, as comfortable doing all that. I like, to, I like to be there doing it live, but I find sometimes with their bidding, you end up getting, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it's supposed to end at like 6 AM and then it's like, oh, there's a bid and then, oh, now it's been extended and then mm-hmm. you bid and then there's another bid and then it gets, you know, you bid, okay, and now I'm going to get it. Cause it's only 30 seconds. No, it's been extended for another five minutes. And it's like. You know, this keeps going on. And then I'm like, I'm out. This is just getting too costly, right? So I'm not sure how to prevent it from getting into those automatic extensions, but they're annoying. You can't. It's just the way uh, they've set up that site that if somebody um, it, it like becomes the new high bidder within the final five minutes, it'll add five minutes to the timer. And it can... I guess in theory, go on forever if somebody keeps just bidding higher and higher uh, within that last five minutes. Yeah, it's maddening. A few times I felt like, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is legit or not because, yeah, there was there was like one time where I was bidding and bidding and bidding and then I was like, no. I think this is the person who's running the auction because whatever this item is, it was like, yeah, something pretty obscure, you know, like some sort of adapter for the Borg scope and they come up all the time. And I was like, I'll just wait for the next one. This isn't even that rare piece of gear, you know, <laughs> anyhow, I'll, uh, I'll bid on this one and see the, uh, I really, ideally I want it the 54 millimeter, 
the new one, uh, F5.6, but they're running like two and a quarter used or, or, you know, this one's pretty new, but, uh, I don't know. I can save like all told a hundred and twenty bucks or so by by going with one of the uh, older sixty millimeters, which I think will work essentially, you know, just as just as well. So cool. That's my that's my little thing. But uh, for me, the eclipse, Shane. Are you gonna are you gonna try to go to the eclipse, or what's what's your eclipse plan before we hop into some of the stuff? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to work out for me. Um, just my wife and I, our ability to get away at that time from work is probably not favorable. Um, and if we were, it would be to Eastern Canada and uh, from some of those locations, I don't think that the odds are very likely I, or it's more likely to be cloudy than not cloudy. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for me to make the investment of time and flights and everything, I would want greater odds and, uh, that's just not going to, uh, work out for me. How about you? Yeah. For me, I knew when I, uh, was building this observatory and we got into this and it, it kind of pushed, uh, beyond that, you know, August timeframe. And I started getting into buying a giant seven inch refractor that my dreams of going to this, obser- uh, this, uh, solar eclipse and observing it were, were pretty much done because, um, to be honest, I can probably go see another solar eclipse. Um, this might be my one shot at getting an observatory built. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so for sure. So that's uh, that's what I'm doing. But I think I'm going to get a, a a filter of some sort. Uh, maybe we can get into that towards the end of of how we're actually going to observe it. But this past week, I ran. It seems like everybody I ran into this week, not really, but a few few people anyway. Um, at work, we're talking about, you know, uh, making the plunge and, and driving down. I was talking to one person, uh, and, and he said that he had just decided, like, I think, uh, in the past week that he's going to pack up their, they must have like a camper van or something of that sort. And I think he and his, uh, spouse or family are, are going to hop in there and just, just make a beeline for the, uh, the eclipse path in early April. I think he was able to get the days off work. Mm-hmm. So he's doing it that way. A uh, person who's helping me on the calendar, uh, she told me that she had just decided to go. She has never uh, done such a trip before. So she's kind of a little bit nervous, sort of excited about that. I'm sure she'll be fine. And uh, I think she's going to go to one of the, the bigger events. I guess like uh, there's some pretty big events that are that are happening there. To be honest, Shane, I think you did that before. You went to one of the big events. Uh, maybe you can just share your experience with going to sort of one of the uh, sort of preeminent places where you get to go and see it and they have like a loudspeaker or some sort of system where people are talking and discussing it. Yeah, mine wasn't quite like that. Oh, but okay. um, when I saw the 20, what was it? The 2017 eclipse, I went to Wyoming in the United States and um, uh, we stayed a couple hours away from the path of totality um, simply because of hotel availability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the night before we, you know, the part part of eclipse chasing is you, you become sort of an amateur weather a forecaster or not even mm-hmm. necessarily a forecaster, but you're staying on top of all of the weather forecasts for the area that you may want to go. Um, 
so anyway, we settled on Casper, Wyoming, which is, uh, it was right in the middle of the path of totality and at their, I forget the name of it, but it's kind of their big outdoor event plex. And, um, uh, you could, uh, I think it was like a $20 entry fee. Uh, you were able to drive in and basically set up wherever you wanted, uh, with lawn chairs and telescopes or, uh, any gear you may have uh, brought along with you and then just sit back and enjoy. Uh, there was no loudspeakers oh, okay. or, or anything like that, but there was like a lot of concessions. So if you wanted food or beverages that was available, the okay. other nice thing about this is like, there's uh, like the event plex was open. So you could use the washrooms if you needed that. And, uh, you know, an eclipse day is a big day, you know, it's lengthy, um, because you're probably getting there early to avoid traffic and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then you sit through the entire event, uh, before you, you know, depart to go back to your hotel or wherever. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, you know, having food, water and, uh, washroom facilities, uh, at least for my wife and I, that was a pretty high priority. So, mm -hmm. uh, some folks I know during that 2017 eclipse just drove to, you know, sort of fields or like in the middle of nowhere and pulled off the road. And certainly that's an option. Uh, but you have to make some of those decisions yourself, I guess, uh, in terms of what's important for amenities while you're doing the, uh, or while you're sitting through the whole event. Yeah. The 2017 was kind of the, I don't know, <laughs> excuse me. I'm still getting over this cold and in a not unrelated note, that's what did me in for 2017 is, is I got pretty sick, um, the week before and I, I just couldn't go. I was just too sick. And I remember I, like I booked the time off and trying to like plan an event like that for me anyway, um, with work, like you were saying is, uh, yeah, it's just too, it's, it's, it's too much, too, too much, but I would, man, I would love to, uh, I would love to have the, uh, the funds and freedom to, to go and do it. Uh, Let's see. So when is the eclipse? What are we, what are we talking about here? When is, when is this eclipse going to take place? Uh, it's happening April the 8th. Um, I think it begins here. I'm looking at the universal time. Uh, let's see here. The shadow arrives. Yeah. In the South Pacific ocean at 1638 universal time. Um, and then it proceeds from there, but yeah, April the 8th is the day, uh, depending where you're planning to observe the eclipse will dictate the actual time. So I don't think we'll really get into, to start times or anything like that. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll leave that up to the listeners to look into if, if they're planning on taking this thing in, but mm -hmm. what, what is kind of interesting about this particular eclipse is the length of totality is quite long. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe in 2017, it was under two minutes or right around there. Mm -hmm. And this assumes you're like right in the middle of the path of totality, because if you're not right in the middle, uh, this number is less, you know, yeah. the further away you get from that center line. Uh, but if you're right on the center line for this one, uh, totality will last four minutes and 28 seconds, which is incredible. Wow. Um, that'll be really neat to take in. Um, when I saw the 2017 eclipse, it's, you know, it, it went by quite quickly, but it still seemed like an incredible amount of time to be able to observe, uh, something so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I can only imagine what four and a half minutes would feel like, uh, it would just be wild. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to go. I gotta, should get my friend Clark on. He's gone to see a bunch of these before. And uh, yeah, I think it would be pretty cool to 
to kind of get his his take and find out what his plan is. He's been pretty mm-hmm. uh, successful. But what are some of the best places, Shane, for someone to go and take a peek at at this uh, at this solar eclipse on April eighth of twenty twenty four? Yeah. So really, when it comes to evaluating where is the best place, um, you know, I think there's two things that I would factor in. Number one is the likelihood of being cloud free that day. And if you go online, there's a number of websites uh, that will predict that, uh, eclipse2024.org is probably one of the better aggregate resources that has a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, so you'll, fee- you'll be able to see, you know, where, where in relation to you, um, the likelihood for clear sky or the best chances for clear skies will be. But in general, um, I don't know a lot about the uh, the path of totality through Mexico, but through us and Canada, uh, some of the best odds for clear skies are in Texas, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the path of totality there gets pretty close to Dallas. Um, I'm not sure of all of the other cities or towns that it will cross, but, um, there's a number there. So anyway, factor one, likelihood of clear skies. That's the most important thing. Factor number two for me, now that I've been to one, if I was to go to another one would be to hopefully get to a location where I don't have to do any driving on the day of the eclipse. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's never a guarantee because wherever you th- want to be, maybe it is actually cloudy the day of the eclipse and this gets into eclipse planning. You, you should have a plan A, which you know is where you start, <laughs> but have plans B, C, D, E, and maybe F, you know, in yeah. terms of other areas you could go because if there's clouds coming in, you might have to go east, west, north, like you don't know. So it's really good to do your research in advance so that if your prime location and maybe your plan B location, if they're not looking good, you have, you know, well-known other spots to go to and you know how to get there. Mm -hmm. But the ideal situation is you don't drive so that you don't get locked in traffic or any of that kind of stuff. And you just have a stress-free day where you put out your, your lawn chair and maybe you have optics, maybe you don't. This is one of these events where you do not require, uh, any optics and, uh, just your eyes, uh, can be, is really all you need to observe totality, um, which is, uh, just an absolutely incredible experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking, I guess like you can just barely get the uh, limit of totality there from very Southern Ontario. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So I, I thought we would talk a little bit about the eclipse today, Chris, simply because, you know, if, if you are planning to observe it, uh, now is when you want to really start doing your planning. Um, my assumption would be that you already have like a, a place to stay because if you don't hotel prices, uh, are absolutely ridiculous along the path of totality. Um, very expensive if there's even availability. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I've heard so similar to, to you, Chris, some folks at work are going to, uh, uh, Dallas to see this thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, they booked their hotels quite a while ago. And I think they were paying 200 or 250 us a night. Mm-hmm. Um, and now hotels, not nearly as nice as where they're staying are six to 800 us dollars per night. Um, mm-hmm throughout the the course of the weekend and leading up to it. So, um, it can be expensive. Um, but anyway, if you're going, uh, you know, I would 
definitely, like I said, already have a few plans of where you might want to uh, go in case weather does change. Um, maybe I'll just hit the path of totality through the U.S. real quick. Um, you know, it goes through Dallas. Little Rock is somewhat close. Indianapolis. Uh, it looks like Buffalo is pretty much right on the path of totality. Burlington, uh, Holton. And then when we get into Canada, uh, what is it here? It looks like um, Toronto is just outside of the edge. Uh, Montreal is right on the edge. Fredericton, pretty close to the center line. And then Gander is just a little bit off the center line. Yeah. Yeah. But like St. Catharines isn't isn't too far off the center line. And there's uh, there's an observatory down even even sort of uh, south of there. So they're getting pretty close to the center line there. Mm-hmm. Um, but depending on the time of day, the Lake Erie and Lake Ontario, they can throw up some pretty good clouds at, uh, mm-hmm. at, at that time of year. And to note it, it can still be a little bit chilly on the 8th of, uh, mm-hmm. of April in, uh, even in Southern Ontario there, but yeah, maybe they'll get a nice day. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it works out for everybody. Um, because some folks, you know, it's, it's an investment of time and sometimes money, you know, to travel there. So hopefully anybody that does that is able to, uh, see at least some portion of totality. Yeah. I originally thought about going back, uh, to Atlanta, Canada, maybe visiting with some family and that, and then just trying to drive up to see it. But I don't know. I was just there. I think I'm going to try to go back maybe in August or, or September or something like that. And so I'm just like, bah. Just gets it gets too expensive trying to do all that kind of traveling around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, some other tips if you're doing this for the first time: uh, find out for your location the exact second uh, when totality begins and when it ends. And what I would recommend is set some alarms on your phone or whatever device you have with you um, that will give you some audible notifications about these times. And do this in advance so that it's all set up. Um, And the reason for that is when totality begins, uh, so leading up to totality, you can't look at the sun without some sort of protection. You know, there's uh, solar eclipse glasses that you can buy. There's filters for your optics that you can buy. But when totality hits, you don't need any of that stuff anymore. You can just look at the sun and it's the most incredible thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you also have to know when totality is ending because you need the protection or else you're going to damage your eyesight. So the best thing to do is, is again, find out when totality begins and ends, set some alarms, uh, and probably give yourself five to 10 seconds on either side of those, um, um, sort of milestones. And then, uh, you're golden. Um, if you want to do any photography, I would, I would have all of that worked out ahead of time. Um, because to get different uh, exposures of the different phases or, or I guess, phenomena that you can observe during an eclipse does require some different settings on your camera. Um, so basically you want to be as efficient as possible so that you're not wasting time, you know, with kind of figuring out how to do this. Uh, you want to have it all pretty much figured out as, and as close to an exact science as possible so that you're able to take in as much of the views as you can and, and that was one of my lessons learned from 2017. I was um, uh, I was really wanting to get some photos, which I did, and I'm quite pleased with them. 
but it, it like one of the things I did is I I took all of the photos of of the various phenomena with different settings on my camera, but I forgot to take off the filter. So I <laughs> I didn't actually get any of the pictures that I thought I would get. It was all black frames. So then I had to redo it all. And um, you know, I I certainly missed actually just looking at at the beauty of the event uh with my eyes, um, which was a shame. And if I was to you know go to this next one or be able to observe this next one, I wouldn't even bother with the camera. I would just observe it uh with my own eyes for the entire time and maximize that experience as as much as I could. I've heard that from so many people, including I, I believe Alan Dyer, um, who who have said when you when you go to your first one, just go and look at it. Mm -hmm. Don't don't try to do too much um, photography because there's so much to look and see. You know, you want to you know look at the shadow and the you know the changing um, sky and everything around you as the shadow is coming in. Then you want to witness it with with your eye and in through your optics, and then you want to uh, you know make sure that you're um, looking just after it becomes. A total solar eclipse, not before, because even just a small piece of the sun can damage your your eyes. And then um, you want to be, uh, you know, taking your your eyes away from the sun uh, just before it comes out of totality there, so that you don't uh, damage your eyes again. And then and then to watch that shadow going away. But yeah, there's all kinds of uh, different phenomena that occur. Some people take note of what birds are doing or if they can see some of the planets uh, in the sky around the sun all, all kinds of neat stuff that you can just sit back and uh, and look at yeah yeah and again you know i think preparation is probably one of the most important aspects of uh observing a total eclipse of the sun um, because there is so much of this other stuff that you can try to see or or take in and and it if you're not aware of it uh, prior to the event, you might miss out on some of these interesting things. So, you know, it, it's, uh, I had a little checklist, you know, of, can I see any stars? Uh, what I should have done and I didn't was, would there be any planets that might come into visibility? And, um, I didn't, uh, I didn't do that research. Um, but yeah, do you notice a change in temperature? Um, how do the shadows look? Cause it does get dark at that point. Um, how does that feel? The birds, as you mentioned, Chris, like, uh, do you notice any changes like with insects or anything like that? Um, and if you're at an elevated spot, um, I wasn't, you know, I was, you know, on a fairly flat piece of earth, but if you're at an elevated spot with a really good view, uh, you can see the rapidly approaching shadow, which is a super cool effect. Um, I've never seen that, but that would be another neat one. Um, some people put drones up in the air and sometimes then the drone is able to capture that, uh, approaching shadow. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of neat things that you can take in during the eclipse other than kind of the eclipse itself. Mm -hmm. You, you touch briefly on, uh, equipment chain. What would be some good equipment for a person to take when they're going to look at the eclipse? Well, definitely bring a chair, you know, you want to be comfortable. And again, this is a long event if you're there from the, the start of the eclipse all the way through. Um, so yeah, chair is number one, 
But if we're talking about, you know, the, the observational side of this, um, definitely get some solar eclipse glasses. They're very inexpensive. Um, and they're fun just to, to put on and take off throughout the event or, you know, leading up to totality and then after totality, because you can watch, you know, as the moon is slowly crossing the disc of the sun and do it safely. And if you're lucky, there might be some large sunspots that day as well that you can mm -hmm. maybe see just visually with the eclipse glasses. Uh, so I'd start with those. Um, now if you do have a telescope, then I would look at getting some kind of a filter, uh, like a white light filter or a Herschel wedge. Um, again, it just adds a little more interest to the whole event because you can hopefully observe some sunspots that day and then just watch as the moon, uh, slowly crosses the sun and maybe, you know, starts to cover up some of those sunspots. And it just, uh, again, it, it's another aspect of the day that will make it a little more engaging for you. Um, and really that's probably about it. Now you, you can certainly get into the photography aspect. Um, if that intrigues somebody, I would suggest looking up, uh, just do an internet search on how to photograph a total solar eclipse. Uh, it'll tell you everything you need to know about exposure times and ISO settings and all of that stuff to get the right photo. Um, if you are into photography, I would really get, um, uh, like a white light filter for your camera. Cause what I did that day is there were some sunspots and I used those sunspots to get a perfect focus on the camera because that's a little challenging sometimes. Um, and then, you know, where that became a real advantage was during totality. I had already had perfect focus. So then all of my totality photos were, uh, quite crisp. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's all you really need. Now, when totality hits, um, you can use your optics without a filter on the sun. And uh, what you can sometimes see is if there's any visible prominences on the sun, you'll be able to actually see those. And uh, like during that 2017 eclipse, a number of people uh, were using binoculars during totality and it was quite pretty. You know, you were, there was a, a few big prominences that were visible and it just seems so surreal to be able to see that, uh, without any kind of, you know, hydrogen alpha filter or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And any other sort of equipment or optical recommendations? Not really. No, it, it really comes down to just solar observing for the most part. Um, so whatever you have for that, uh, would apply here. Um, some people, like I mentioned, bring drones or, you know, like, uh, uh, temperature sensors so that they can record other data points throughout the event. Um, but that, you know, becomes an individual choice, I guess. Well, I sure wish I could go and see it to, to be, to be perfectly frank. I had thought that I would, it just, uh, sometimes, Life takes a slightly different turn and, uh, yeah, getting, uh, the observatory finished and up and running is that's the top priority right now. And yeah, I think mm -hmm. I gotta, I gotta stay in focus, focus mm -hmm. my attention on that, especially once we get into spring, because, uh, there's only four or five things left to do. And then I am done on that shame, but, uh, I hope that, uh, that maybe your plans can be moved around and maybe you can get down there and take a look. Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. Um, certainly anybody that is near the path of totality, I can't recommend enough making a real effort to observe this thing. Um, you know, I've seen hundreds, thousands of objects through telescopes at night. 
Uh, I've observed the sun a lot during the daytime with hydrogen alpha and white light. There's nothing that beats observing a total solar eclipse uh, and words just can't describe it. Um, it really is a, an incredible event and an incredible experience. So I just can't encourage people enough to get out there and try to observe this thing. Uh, as, like, especially if you're close to that path of totality, because if you are, you know, you've sort of already gotten rid of the biggest obstacle to observing these things. So yeah. definitely check it out if you're anywhere near there. And again, the, uh, a good resource is, uh, eclipse 2024.org. Uh, um, really good website that'll help you figure out whether or not, uh, you are close to this thing. And we've got a few people in Arkansas. I know that as listeners, strangely enough. So we expect reports from, from you folks. Good stuff. Anything mm -hmm. else to add, Shane? No, that's it, Chris. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share the show with other stargazers. You know, you can always send us your show ideas, observations, and questions to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>